Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to The Body Protest, a podcast on body image, body politics, and of course, self-love. I'm Nadia Kraddick, a body image researcher. And I'm Honey Ross, writer, producer, and activist. On this podcast, we combine storytelling with science to explore our often complicated, occasionally treacherous relationships with our bodies. On each episode, we are joined by some of our friends and heroes who are doing amazing work in this space to protest against body-based oppression and all the icky societal pressure to look a certain way. We hope that listening will help you on your journey to feel more at home in your body. This podcast is brought to you by The Pink Protest. Okay, so we are both still at home, both speaking to each other on Zoom, but we thought we would pop up one more time before we start to release our Series 2 that we have lined up to talk about us and our often complicated, occasionally treacherous relationships with our bodies. Because, you know, it's very easy for us to, you know, sit and ask the questions, but actually you must be wondering, who are these Who are these women and what's their story? Maybe, I don't know, maybe you are wondering that, maybe you're not. But we thought it would be nice to share a bit about why we ended up um, working a bit more in this space. So, honey, would you say your relationship with your body was complicated and occasionally treacherous oh mama yes big time big time my relationship with my body was very much more than occasionally treacherous um you know I have a very I have a pretty solid relationship with my body now which I'm really lucky to have and have you know I was actually not no luck involved sorry I worked really really damn hard to have a good relationship with my body let's let's make no bones about it um I'm sure you agree it's really it's really hard work to get to a place of being comfortable it is hard work um yeah, I, you know, I've always been big. I've always been a, a big girl. I was always tall uh, and then I started to grow uh, horizontally as well as vertically, uh, which is great, you know, I, but I, I grew up in, I was a kid in the early 2000s and that was not great. That was not considered a good thing. You know, the thing that was trendy was like uh, Kate Moss and the Spice Girls and very, very, very thin, typical, you know, that kind of body. Um, I have spoken about it a bit before, but I obviously grew up in the public eye. So where I I could have just, you know, if only I could have just been um, privately fat and growing up like so many people, I was under so much scrutiny. Just if I ever went out with my family and we were photographed, which happened quite a lot because in the 2000s, my dad was pretty, he was pretty big in the 2000s I kind of forget that like I think because it was just my childhood I never knew anything different but he was um 
and, and it, because of that, you know, I've been afforded lots of lovely privileges. You used to, you know, get to see all the films early, go to go to premieres. But that was when things started uh, going quite south because I would obviously, you know, be, I was just a sweet little baby girl. You know, that's what makes me so sad. <laughs> I was a sweet little baby girl wearing like the most hateful pink outfits that I'd assembled myself. And I'd go and get photographed um, just because I just thought that was normal. And it would be on the mail online and people would just be like shitting on me, like awful stuff. And like, it gets to you, that gets to you, you know? Of course it would. Of course it would. You were a child. It's so hateful. I can't even really fully imagine. Um, But did you find that you were looking at that kind of stuff? Were you looking at what people were saying about you? Initially, yes. Now, never, never, never. I would never do that. But, um, you know, when you're a 14-year-old or however old I was, I think it started to get to me... I didn't when I was much younger, um, when I was like, you know, when it started happening, I think I was blissfully unaware. But then when I became a bit more, you know, when the internet was like, suddenly everyone was on social media, like, uh, how could I not be aware of it? I was seeing, you know, and people would go like, oh my God, I saw you on the mail online. And I'd be like, really? And then click on it and be like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's, uh, that's painful. Um, yeah, it did a, it did a bit of a number on me. I, like I, now I'm completely numb to it, which I think is a real blessing. And like, I still do receive quite a lot of negative comments about my body, but like, I couldn't care less. Like, I really don't give a shit about what other people think about it. But um, yeah, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And I think one thing that almost made it worse was I had no, um, there was no positive representation for fat people at all. The uh, To the point where like, the only thing I clung on uh, clung on to was Ursula the Sea Witch. Because <laughs> it was like, we've spoken about this. Yeah, where I was like, I don't know. You know, you know me, I'm quite like, I really like to express myself through my clothes and my makeup and the way I do things. And I felt so like, I felt like something was wrong with me because I never saw that shown of like, you can be a fat woman who likes how they look and likes how they are and likes, you know, and I always did like how my look, how I looked like in private, I'd always be like, I just don't get it. <laughs> I kind of don't get why um, this is such a big deal. And then I did obviously grow to really hate myself, um, which was not nice and makes me really sad when I think about it. You know, you think about like poor little 15 year old me, or just any, you know, all of our 15-year-old selves. Like, I just think if we could go back and give them a hug, we definitely would. Um, but, yeah, I... So I always used to be quite confused. I was like, I think I look kind of good. But would go out and people would be like, mm, sweetie, you're fat. Um, which is... It's just so strange. That was just the kind of climate we grew up in. You know, I would go to... I went to a... Went to a private school in North London um, where everyone all of my friends who I'm still friends with mostly now were like they're all like five five and under teeny tiny brunettes and I've spoken about this before but a lot of them suffered personally with eating disorders so were very thin for different reasons throughout growing up so I was you know like five eight and like a big girl I stuck out like a sore thumb and I really felt it. And I felt like, you know, I'd go around to my friends' houses and their parents would be like, if, I, if I'd if i been, you know, I was going to say forced. I mean, I guess I was never really forced, but if I, you know, 
had been coaxed on to going onto some fucking diet and had lost, you know, five pounds or whatever because I was a teenager. But all of my friends' parents would be like, oh my God, honey, you look amazing. Oh my God, you look so good. Like, wow, like really reinforcing this. And I would be like, but I'm miserable. And I, you know, my friends are all, you know, my friends are all teenagers and allowed to eat cake and drink and do all of these things. Like, why am I being forced to do these strange, restrictive behaviours that are making me miserable? And I think I just, you know it did reach such a crescendo of like, I just really got to a point where I hated myself so much. And it just was like, I don't really know how to keep going forward with this. Like I was kind of like, you know, mental health friends in my family, I've spoken about that quite openly. Like I have anxiety and depression and PTSD or, you know, worked through, I've been living with various things throughout my life. And I kind of was like, this on top of the kind of constant self-criticism that I am putting myself through. Like, I was like, I don't really know how to do this. Um, I don't think it's sustainable. And then I just got really fucking lucky and was on Tumblr at the right time (laughs) and just started seeing, um, like, fat acceptance and body image, uh, like, body positivity content, which I'd never seen before in my entire life of just, like, really gorgeous glamorous fun fat women like bigger than me living their lives and just like being happy and like having a fucking like labrador and a boyfriend and just things that I never thought I would you know having a normal happy life where I'm not some kind of like sea witch living in a fucking cave I didn't know I didn't think that that was for me because I'd never seen it and that changed everything and I you know I always I talk about this is gonna sound so ridiculous but I had never seen, before, like, girls, um, Lena Dunham's girls, I'd never seen, like, a, she, she's hardly plus size in that show. I actually rewatched it recently and was like, God, I can't believe that the people made such a fucking, like, people were like, wow. Like, but it's like, she's so, you know, she's gorgeous, but, like, she's not, I don't think would be classed as plus size. Um, but it was the first time I'd seen, you know, air quotes of plus size women with, like, a fucking fit boyfriend who adored her. And I didn't, that sounds so like you know I've obviously not living my life for male validation that's very on me but I think it was just the comfort of going no you know you are worthy of the things that you've been told you are not worthy of you are these things are possible for you these you are capable of having these things you are worthy of love you are worthy of all of this um it's really sad it's really sad when I think about it it is really sad and I think you like all of us are growing up in this society where we're told that if we don't look a certain way, we're not worthy of love. We're not worthy of success. We're not worthy of happiness. Like we have, we have that as a baseline, particularly for women. And then you had that extra layer where you were in the public eye and you had people directly saying things about you and about your body. Like we all have, and it's like, it's unsolicited. You're not going around saying like, can everyone, (laughs) what does everyone think? It's like, it's unsolicited. And it's like, then the fact that that's acceptable is like, it's sad, but also so damaging. It's so damaging and so baffling. And also like, it's not only like, when you're a teenager, you don't want anyone to look at you or acknowledge that you exist because you're like, I'm just so full of hormones and don't even know why I'm here. You know what I mean? And not only did I have people looking at me, but I had people looking at me on a mass scale against my, you know, it wasn't, I had had not given my permission for those images to be used. You know, that was against my will. And like, yeah, it's just like, it's a miracle that I am fine now. I always think I'm like, I kind of can't believe I got through that. Um, but you know, that's what 
I'm very grateful that I've had therapy and things like that that have helped me. And also just like, I think in a way I felt quite empowered because I always knew I wanted to work in film and TV and have some kind of, um, I don't know, some involvement with the storytelling and storytelling on a scale like that. You know, I remember like all I cared about when I was a child was watching films and just like back to back watching films. And the stories I saw were so not representative of anyone, really. They were all just representative of kind of middle class white men because that was what the media we had for a long time. But I think I just remember being feeling really empowered of going like, I'm going to go into film and TV and I am going to change the way people tell stories. I mean, I'm sure every, every young aspiring creative thinks that, but I was like 17. I just remember being like, I'm just getting a taste of this freedom and this alternative of not fucking hating myself, you know, because of Tumblr, because of this free content these people were putting out. And I just was like, if I could do this on a mass scale, think of how many people you could help. Like, think of how many people who just would save the fucking time of day. Like, the amount of time I used to spend just thinking about my body, criticising my body, looking in the mirror, just not liking myself. I save so much time now where I just, I literally don't care. I just don't think about my body. My body is the least interesting thing about me. Uh, you know, and... um yeah, I guess that's kind of a, that was my treacherous relationship with my body growing up. What about you? Well, I don't know, before we get there, just thinking it's like, it's so, it is so powerful. And I think representation is so powerful. And I think how, you know, you talking about and other people have, I know, talking about the influence of Tumblr and seeing people who look, who have bodies who are more similar to the one, like, to to what you have, I think is is really important. And I know we've spoken about this before, but I wonder if we get into it a little bit now, is how with what you post on social media and you do post these beautiful, they're like stunning pictures, but they're they're very you can they're really you can see your body. You are, you know, in your underwear, you are in a bikini or whatever. Like your body is there and it's for show. And I wonder if like what that's meant to you and meant for your relationship with your body. That's yeah, that's a really good question. Um I think with Tumblr, there was a lot of uh, conversation around retraining your brain and retraining the programming you had received of telling you what was attractive. And it's actually like, no, human beings are capable of finding absolutely anyone attractive if they just, you know, you can you can do that. You know, like you're not a passenger to your brain. You have control over that. And so I love that you're not a passenger to your brain. Well, you're not, and you're not a passenger to the to society. Like you, you have a choice, and I think people forget that because you know that's not the conversation that we are often having. Um, but I remember, yeah, I saw all of these people on Tumblr living their best lives, and started kind of being like, okay, why? Like unpacking why I felt maybe like at first, I think I maybe felt a bit like whoa, like but we've not been told that we're allowed to think fat bodies are beautiful. And so I didn't, I was like, oh, like I'm seeing a lot. It's different, it's different. And then I was like, wait, I can retrain my brain and learn that this is actually really beautiful and really glorious. And actually just like the joy of like fat people having a nice time. God, that's just so beautiful. Um, but for me, I think moving to Instagram, it just, I never had control over my um image I guess I since I was a child and it's so weird you even have to you know most people that I don't think have to think about themselves in terms you know I think I had almost um 
I've gotten a bit meta with myself and been like, how am I perceived? You know, it's very hard not to be when your whole life you've got people making assumptions about you and making comments on you and the way you look and the way you live and people don't actually know me. You know what I mean? It's like they just... So moving to Instagram when I was, you know, God, I can't remember how old I was, a fucking child. But when I went on Instagram, I was suddenly like, I can fill the space that I so longed to see. And it was such a, it felt really organic where I was just like, I knew how much those pages on Tumblr had meant to me. And I was like, well, I don't see why I shouldn't be doing that too. Like I, like I said, I've always thought I'm quite glamorous and expressive and like the way I dress and like the way I do my makeup and like the way I do my hair and like wanted to show that off because I was, you know, a teenage girl. Like, of course I did. Like it felt crazy to me that all of my gorgeous thin friends were allowed to just, you know, wear whatever they want and do whatever they want. I was like, I want to fucking do that. I want a slice of that cake. Like I, <laughs> I want to participate in being young and being carefree and getting to do these things that should be part of every young person's life. And they shouldn't be held back by the pain of self-loathing, like that no one should have to feel like that. But, but it's it's so wild, isn't it? But I mean, it's upsetting, but it's it's wild to think that actually we only certain people we allow to explore and have fun and be creative and like we have as a society there's another whole like whole layer of judgment put upon people and you're like oh but you shouldn't love your body you shouldn't be having fun you shouldn't be carefree and joyous like there is that so it's very disruptive to see it and and that's why it's so powerful and I think that's why like I think you your Instagram account got as much traction as it did and I know how many messages you used to get from people saying like this really helps this is really helping me and I think there's something about I know sometimes there's critique of it being when you've got people in their underwear, whatever, on Instagram, and it's like, oh, but it's still objectifying. But it's like, who, like, who are you to say that? Like, who? Well, and like, with my nudes, with the nudes I used to post, and then like lingerie pics, like, I looked fucking hot. Sorry, I did. I don't care. I looked great. I was, you know, young and carefree like I don't know if I'd post those things now I probably would like I I've always been an exhibitionist I was raised very Scandinavian like very naked household like that's just who I am I'm you know and anyone who knows me knows that so I didn't I don't know I just felt frustrated that I have grown up my entire life having this male gaze portrayal of what a woman should be shoved down my fucking throat of like It's a thin woman in a bikini, maybe eating a burger, maybe on a sports car, maybe she's in a shower. None of this came from that woman. This woman was a prop, a decorative object in some man's fantasy. And I went like, absolutely fuck that. Like, I am a woman. My experience is valid. I think I'm fucking hot. I don't care if you don't. And all of my thin friends are allowed to wear bikinis and post a photo and have fun and actually like, why can't I? Like, it seems, it just, you know, it seems... um There's a double standard. Yeah, there's a complete double standard. And also just like, to me, it almost makes me think of... This is very off topic, but that kind of conversation around OnlyFans and how so many men are anti-OnlyFans. It's like, well, you're only anti-OnlyFans because women have found a way or, you know people in general have found a way to capitalize on something you were getting for free and exploiting and now they are actually taking back the power and able to you know in a way it just felt like it was a reclamation of something where it's like it's insane that 
female bodies or just bodies in general are only up for consumption when they are, you know, this kind of quaffed strange thing that has been put forward by some fucking man in an office somewhere. Like, no, that's not true expression. That's not true expression of young women. It didn't feel like, I don't know, there was there was a lack of honesty in the portrayals I was seeing. And to me, Instagram felt like such a tool to be like, we can be honest here. This is a space that nobody controls but us. Your page is your page. And it was, you know, it was an innocence of social media that there isn't now. And I, you know, I think I've realized in the last couple of months that it's not that place anymore. And that's fine. You know, things change, life changes. But at the time, oh my God, it was just the most liberating feeling to have that. And then just like you said, getting messages from people being like, this has really helped. And I've bought my first bikini and I bought my first pair of shorts and I'm going out and I'm wearing a summer dress and I'm not wearing a fucking jumper in the middle of summer because I don't like my arms because of you, that meant the world to me. Because I was like, I did exactly what I hoped to do, which was just, if I can make like, if I could have made, and I did, one person feel a little bit better about themselves that day and not hate themselves that day, like God, like that, that's everything to me. Oh my goodness, I'm getting emotional. It is everything. Uh, I feel like we can't say it enough. Representation means so much. Um, And I am just so proud of you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm proud of you always. Um, so Nadia, tell me about your occasionally treacherous relationship with your body growing up. It's so hard to even know where to begin. I think I think it's fair to say that my relationship with my body growing up was more than occasionally treacherous. I had an eating disorder and spent quite significant periods in eating disorder treatment. Uh, both through my teens and well into my 20s. Um, so I think there was obviously a couple of things going on um, and I'm probably going to broadly oversimplify, but I think it's interesting uh, you talking about the influence of the Kate Moss aesthetic and growing up around that. And so I'm 11 years older than you. And so when that was really, I think, at its height was when I was a teenager. So... The ideal for women in particular was to be like stick thin. So you wanted to see hip bones, you wanted to see clavicles, that like, you wanted to see like it was it was like bone thin. We hadn't got to that strong not skinny stage. We hadn't got to the Instagram Kardashian curve stage. And obviously both of those come with their own set of unrealistic appearance ideals and in turn associated body image concerns. But but for me, and at the time as a teenager, it was about being stick thin. And and I really strongly internalised that, for sure. I really bought into that. That was, like, the way that you should you should look and it's the best way to look. And then, like, compounded with that, I really got this idea into my head that to be Asian is to be thin and that the best part of being Asian was to be, like, naturally thin. So I was like, oh, winning. Like, I meet this ideal. Um, I've got it. And I think I convinced myself of that narrative so strongly that I was thin because I was Asian and that was natural that I like completely overlooked like the restrictive eating for a long time because I was just like, this is how my body is. And I did dancing, I did gymnastics, like I got a lot of positive reinforcement for being very, very small. And I, I liked it. I liked it. it. It felt like it was something good about me. And, you know, the more people said, the more I felt I had to hold on to this. Yeah, I just really enjoyed the attention, like, you know, like a like a moth to the light. It was something that really fed me and I really, um, 
Well, especially when you're young and you're vulnerable and you hear people validating you and validation feels good and you don't know that what they're validating is a very toxic systemic thing. Completely, like 100%. And I think although I was quite an outgoing, outwardly confident person, there was a lot of underlying insecurity. And I think all of that positive attention, all that praise kind of fed that insecurity. And I think then what happened was that the restrictive eating became more and more difficult. It wasn't a sustainable way of eating or living. And then a number of like life things happened and things kind of started really going not my way. So I was in a relationship that was not so good. I didn't get into the university I wanted. I fell out with some close friends. Someone close to me died. Like there was a, a load of things that happened seemingly at the same time. And I had no idea how to cope with that or react. And I imploded. And what was there to save me was my eating disorder. And I really just fell right into that. And I became very stuck for a long time. Um, I had a couple of very, very difficult years and ended up, by the time I was 22, spending a year in hospital because I was just so unwell by that point. And um, yeah, it was just, I mean... It, it is as it sounds, it was like a whole big mess. And then by the time I got out, I was 23. And so like the age that you are now, and I had to completely rebuild myself from scratch. There was like nothing there to go on anymore. And that was, again, really difficult. And whilst I was doing that, I was still in the process of gaining weight and learning how to eat and be okay with myself, I think. And again, that was all very confronting. And I still had this like internalised ideal so like I knew when I was too thin but I also um had been told like all of my life that I was perfect because of my body so it became it became very difficult to retrain my thinking around that and I think the other piece is that it was a way of communicating like I didn't know how to communicate properly like I didn't know how to um you know the way I showed that things were not going well was through my body you know that's how I did it though so, you know I'd be thin and everyone loved me and thought I was perfect and then I'd be too thin and it's like oh no she's not okay um and that was it became a real pattern and I, like I don't feel like I feel like embarrassed about that but that was how it was for a really long time yeah I think especially when you're young and you don't necessarily know the best way to communicate or like you can see, you know, it's like, please see that on the inside I'm hurting and it's manifesting outside and this is how it's manifesting. And I think, you know, I, I can fully relate to that and, in different ways, but I get it. Yeah, so I would smile, I'd always smile and say I'm fine, you know, with like a, oh yeah, you know, everything's good, everything's good. And like, I'm literally like, look, like a disaster. So then, um, but yeah, so I kind of liked at the beginning knew when I got too thin so I was very aware of that but then and then was like so I knew I had to gain weight and was happy to gain weight to a, to a point and in my head because I'd like really um locked in this idea that I was I could never get above a certain weight I was like I just and I just believed it I was like my body won't get there like it's just my like because I remember the doctor saying like you know you need to be x weight and I was just like oh it's impossible you know I just I just thought I knew better I was just like no impossible my body won't do that I just won't it, it won't absolutely won't happen but you know nice nice idea but good for you but then I then got to that weight and then went above it and then went considerably above it 
Um, and that was confronting because I'd like so convinced myself of this lie that my body would only ever be like this one weight maximum. Um, which is like, it, it was, it's again, a strange thing to say and think about, but that was, I just convinced myself that that's what it was. And then it was like, oh, now it's not, it's not what I, I thought. Um, and then also like you have to factor in age into that. So I don't know, maybe my body was a certain weight at 15 and it's going to be a certain different weight at 34. Like it's, it's going to be different but so it just took some time but what was the kind of um what was the reaction to when you went past that weight that you were told yourself like it's not even possible like was it a kind of panic or was it like a oh I I have realized that maybe I haven't been honest with myself or like you you know it's such an ingrained thing you don't even realize but like was that in a way liberating to be honest at the time no it was it was panic it was panic because I again because I convinced myself of this thing again I had lots of positive attention for being very thin and then so then when although I didn't want to be ill looking or I didn't want to be in hospital I didn't I still hadn't recovered you know I was still in in that headspace I was better than what I was and had been in the past but I was still not there so um and I think a lot of that work has been in the last like five years, I would say, where it's actually really finding like acceptance rather than complete avoidance or or panic. Like I don't react with panic now, whereas I I did. I you know I did. Like that was definitely part of it. But I think it was so. Um, I don't know. I was like stuck for a long time. I think. Well, I think it's difficult because with all of these things, they're such internal battles and it's so complicated having to basically, it's that realisation of like, maybe my brain was lying to me. Like, you know, maybe there's an element of my brain that wasn't, didn't have my best interests at heart. And that's something very difficult to grapple with because you're kind of like, you know, it does feel very like, it feels counterproductive. You're like, why, why? But it is, you know, I mean, look at you. You've come so far. You're incredible. And I'm so proud of you. it's just I think it's like one of those things and I think it it took a long time there's not just a one step process and it kind of as as you were saying it is it is an constant ongoing journey and an ongoing effort no I was going to say I often feel like it kind of feels like untangling a necklace um (laughs) in terms of you are constantly coming across, you know, you're like, God, I'm so close to untangling this fucking necklace. And you're like, oh, no, we found another knot. And then there's another knot. And also, you know, it sometimes just starts as a big mass. And it's like, you can eventually wear the necklace again, but you've really got to untangle it. And it's like, it's going to take various different tools. It is, there's not one solution. And there is no way to just magically do it. It's going to take time and effort and maybe WD-40 who's to say I really like that analogy and I just think it's it's always good to know like what that different things work for different people and different things work for you at different times like what might have been really helpful for me 10 years ago is different to what might be helpful to me now and what you know what makes you feel good in your body might be different to what makes me feel good in my body like it's well we change we we're people we're humans you know of course you constantly evolve and also like I think the things you need to self-soothe change your needs change as you get older and I think like the things that used to make me feel good for example taking nudes doesn't make me feel good anymore it's not that I don't like those things but it's like you know things that helped you cope 
with coming, you know, with repairing the damage of our body image issues, you know, like that, it doesn't, they, they evolve just like we do. And yeah, I think like that's, I've always found it difficult when people would be like, what can I do to improve my relationship with my body? How can I fix that? And I'm like, if it was that easy, do you think that like, it, like it's not, it's so hard and it's so complicated and it's so nuanced because it's also coming from so many different places of societal and then personal relationships that may have impacted it and then your relationship with yourself. I mean, it's so nuanced. It's so nuanced and I think I think everyone needs to have a toolkit of what they can do so when you're in a head funk with your body when you're like when you're not feeling good like you have like a whole array of tools and strategies that you can try and you feel what works for you and what works for you at that particular point in time and what works in response to that particular trigger right so and it's I think it's really knowing yourself knowing what your triggers are and knowing how you get yourself out of that mess because I think it's and also understanding that feeling bad about your body is not going to help you and benefit you in any way. I think there's such a, this like misconception that actually you can like hate yourself into like a, a better body. Like you're like, Oh, like I'm gonna, you know, if I just, I hate how I look now. And then that whole, I don't know, then you are like trying to change your body all the time. Well, like the revenge body as if, as if that has ever been a motivator. Like I don't understand how like people think like bullying yourself, being mean to yourself, you know, negative self-talk, all of these things are not good motivators. They, and they hurt you and they damage you on a subconscious level that you will then eventually just have to deal with, or it will come out in another way. That's the truth. It's like, look, the things you say to yourself have an impact and the way you treat yourself, it has an impact. And, you know, you can either tackle it head on or it will manifest itself somewhere else and that's the truth that's how it works yeah yeah a hundred percent what would you say now is your like do you have your go-tos of what makes you feel good and nice in your body I thought you'd never ask (laughs) no I I can't wait to hear yours um I've got so I like my list of like crazy no it's not crazy it's necessary but like because I think I've got like you know I think I do have one thing I do for my body to feel good and to center myself and to kind of like, if I'm feeling kind of disconnected or weird or which is all the time in this climate, but um, I've started absolutely every single night. Well, you know, okay, actually I'm going to pull it, pull it back for one second. One thing I've become obsessed with in terms of making yourself feel good is keeping small promises to yourself and not betraying yourself on a, even on small levels of like, if you say you're going to clean your room tomorrow, you clean your room tomorrow, because how are you supposed to trust yourself if you keep on breaking promises to yourself? Like, that is one thing that I have worked on so much recently of being like, I didn't even, I didn't respect myself on that fundamental level, because I could not keep those small promises to myself of even just like, you know, make the bed every morning, do those things. Like, those things are so grounding and so important for your well-being. And just to tell yourself, it's like, you're worth that, you're worth a made bed. I love that. I love it's having respect for yourself and and keeping those small promises. I think it's really good. I really like that. Right. And I think like, it, you know, I had such a warped version of like what a healthy relationship with self was like, because I, you know, had depression for so long, which basically meant that I was just like going through the motions and wouldn't necessarily be the most hygienic person and wouldn't, you know, always get out of bed. And to be in a place now where I can do that is fantastic. <laughs> but it's like, 
when I came out of my depression, I still had the feeling of the hangover of like, you're not worth any of this though. Like you, you don't deserve any of these nice, normal baseline comforting things of like clean bed sheets and things like that. And so that is my main thing is keeping those small promises to yourself and just being like, I'm worth more than this. Like I'm worth more than like, God, like in the depths of my depression, some of the stuff was like, whoa, like bathtub full of laundry, like depressing shit. I mean, of course it was depressing. I was depressed, but, um, so one thing I do to comfort myself, well, big, big old tangent. I I always used to think that it was made up and just something people did in films, but I actually apply body lotion to my body every single night now. Head to toe. Head to toe, body toe, like body lotion. I use the Walida one. It smells like a chocolate orange. And oh my God, it's a godsend. Um, And it just makes me feel very connected to myself and very grounding. And also just, you know, like I have a bath, loads of bath salts in it. Things where you're just like, I didn't need to do that extra thing, but I did do that extra thing because I'm needing, I'm needing to show myself that I care about myself. It's the, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's self-care. It's not groundbreaking. Tell me some of your things. Some of my things. So I do have a toolkit. I do have like a number of things that I do like to do. And I think it is a constant effort. And I think I've been in a good place with my body for a long time now, but I also know where I can go. So I think I, it's, well, it's the maintenance, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Because the thing is, the toolkit, you keep the toolkit forever. And the minute you retire, one of the things from the toolkit, you're like, I didn't realise it could go so wrong so fast. Like, I have to journal every night or I go crazy. Anyway, continue. Exactly. It's maintenance and it's self-preservation. And it's just being like, no, I I need to have all of these things. So um, as a baseline, I work really hard and it doesn't always come naturally to me to not do that negative self-talk, but also not the negative body talk. And also a lot of people understand the negative body talk and how toxic that can be because it it sounds bad, doesn't it? If you're saying like disparaging things about your body or about other people's bodies, it's, it's, it sounds terrible, but also... But I found that so many people think it's bad for everyone but me. People always seem to make themselves the exception of that and go like, don't like say like, don't talk about yourself like that, but then we'll absolutely shit on themselves. And yeah, anyway, continue, sorry. No, completely. I think that's completely spot on. And I think that's really about being stuck on this idea that you can hate yourself into a better, air quotes, better body. So, so yeah, I think there is like that exception there. And then I also think the thing that, I have been working on more consciously is not engaging in the positive related body talk. So, um, um, because that's what used to really hold me back and I didn't really know it. So that idea of like, you're so tiny, you're so cute, all of that. And it's been interesting because we've been both watching Royal Housewives of Beverly Hills and that just comes up so, so much that everything, like the biggest compliment you could ever receive is about how small you are, how thin you are. And like, that is, is scary. Yeah. Well, also, I think it's it's a challenge to yourself as well to kind of unpack of like, where is this coming from? Do I actually think that person looks better? Am I being sincere? Am I being honest? Like, and also like, you don't ever know if what's going on in someone's life, if they've lost weight, they're usually probably not thriving. Like, is the, what I found most commonly in my adult life. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I love that. I really agree with that. Yeah, so like, yeah, so just like a baseline of like really like, pulling back any kind of appearance related body related talk to myself and to others so then to try and like when we're talking when and I think we do this 
all the time <laughs> all the time but um but just like say really nice things about each other that are not anything to do with what we look like I think is um it, and it feels so good it feels so much more sincere when you hear something from someone that's like talking about your character rather than talking about um you know what size jeans you're wearing you know like well you're really seeing someone when you say something about someone's personality and their brain and like the way they operate you're really seeing them for who they actually are which is like you know we all have lovely decorative flash prisons but they're not who we actually are they're you know it's that's the external and like the internal is actually you know when you can appreciate someone for what they've got inside that's so special yeah yeah completely and we all just want to be seen don't we so I think that's that yeah that's been a baseline thing that but in terms of other things that help me personally are I um really like being I really like moving my body so you know you're talking about the self-care and the the body cream in terms of like feeling connected with your body and feeling like like in your body like I do I do a bit of that I do I but for me to feel really in my body is like is things like going swimming um dancing around um you know I just like that is what it it's like they're things that I enjoy so much and my body is such a fundamental part of that and of of being able to enjoy that so I think it just helps me ground and connect to my body and I know for a lot of people that's things like yoga and meditation they're not really 100% my thing but I completely understand it and there's also lots of research behind those kinds of activities to then feel more connected in your body and I think it's just thinking about and kind of getting into the research a bit more but it's thinking about your body in a much more complex way so to think that your body is not just your appearance and like what are all the amazing things your body can do and allows you to do so people talk about body functionality so um like your body allowing you to move allowing you to see allowing you to connect with people allowing you to express your emotion allowing you to um just how you show up in the world is you and and keeping you alive you know just like your the baseline functions that we don't even cognitively think about is like is incredible so thinking about your body in that different way I think sometimes when you're in a, a weird space actually taking a step back and thinking about those things I mean like actually my body is not just you know the fact that I'm a size this and my waist circumference you know like all of these things that we we're so like locked into all of these numbers it's like our bodies are so much more <laughs> no of course well, no, it's like my body is capable of joyful dancing and like, you know, down with facing dog and like kissing and all of these lovely, fun things. Like, that's amazing. Like, oh, and also, you know, I think, I don't know if you feel this way. I don't want to project, but I definitely felt this way of like, after I came out roughly on the other side of, you know, all of the diets and all of the things I put myself through and all the horrible shit I had said to myself over the years, I was like, oh my God, and my body's still here and she's still standing and she's always been here for me without fail, even though I have been awful to her for years. And I was like, God, I owe myself an apology. And I think we, most of us do. I know completely. And I no, I feel a little bit, I always get a little bit, um, I don't know if it's emotional or, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to sound like all soppy because I like to be quite I don't know like oh I've got it all together but I think um I think that's huge like the fact that yeah I just treated my body so poorly for so long and it's to a large extent forgiven me I mean I do have you know battle wounds from from it um but the fact that yeah that we're we're here today it's kept me alive and I'm 
healthy and well like now is is huge um but yes I think it is just it's having those like little moments of gratitude and appreciation and respect and I mean I've told you about myself hugging yeah I know I love I actually love that um from you know one (laughs) oh yeah and you like (laughs) have you started doing it (laughs) <laughs> you have to you have to give yourself a little hug and a little and also sometimes even say something out loud like a little hug going like you're doing okay you're doing but and like if anyone saw me they'd be like oh but I'm like you kind of ha- I think it's good I think it's important to kind of I don't know have that dialogue with yourself and also just like show your body that you love it because I think also like in terms of the level of negativity I used to put on my body in terms of like the way I spoke about my body I don't know I think that this is gonna sound so fucking hippy dippy but like of the kind of energy that energy stays that energy can't go and I almost was like I need to counter that I need to or like for every time I've been horrible about my stomach I need to put my hands on my stomach and go I'm sorry I love you and like rub it and hold it and be like I love you stomach I'm sorry and same with my thighs and same with all of the areas that I've maybe been mean to I'm like I'm sorry I did this to you and I'm sorry I said horrible things about you for years this is me trying to undo that now no, I I think it's really important. I think you do need to counter the narrative because I think you're not only countering your narrative that you've put upon yourself, um, but it's why have you put that upon yourself? It's because we live in this really toxic society that says that women's bodies in particular should look a very, very certain way. And so that's where that's come from. And I think then, so you're not only trying to self-correct what you're saying to your body, the dialogue that you're having your with your body, you're trying to self-correct what, society is saying so it's a big thing so you have to actually do it and you have to do it and I think it's really powerful when you do it out loud you don't have to be in front of anyone but like when you're like no 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 this is we do need to do it and I because I think a lot of people think oh I don't need to do the positive self-talk but it's like if you've done negative self-talk for 20 years let me tell you you do need to do it because you need that's how you start repairing those relationships because you can't again as we've said you can't um talk about yourself in a really negative way and then think you're going to have an okay relationship with your body it's just it's not it it doesn't like doesn't doesn't work no completely and that's the thing I think when people go like what's your advice for you know um what's your advice for being you know having good body image or changing a relationship with your body and it's like well remember the fact that essentially you're starting at a deficit because you have been horrible to yourself for 20 years which is probably not your fault like we have all been we are all products of the same society that and we've all treated ourselves badly it's like you're at a deficit and you need to get back to zero essentially so you can build yourself back up from there and I think that's kind of it yeah I I really like that having a lot of self-compassion along the way as well because I think it's so easy and I think with all the conversation around body positivity and and self-love that it becomes something that becomes another pressure point that you're like oh god like I don't have this like quote-unquote ideal body but I also don't love my body and like and then feeling like you're lost in between there and I think it's having that self-compassion to be like okay and then and pulling it back and being like what what is the relationship that I want and manifesting that relationship do I just want like a trusting accepting relationship but fundamental relationship with my body which means I can go out and do whatever it is that I want to do without my relationship with my body holding me back without any of that holding me back and then I think what we then also need to like interject into this conversation is that is privilege and how certain bodies are not allowed that opportunity 
to do whatever it is they want to do because there is so much like societal judgment and prejudice and discrimination on certain bodies that make that really difficult ableism fat phobia racism colorism like we can go like we can do the whole spectrum it all relates to how yeah to how people navigate the world in their bodies but i think like what we've said and how we talk about this is like i want people to be at at a place where they are their relationship with their body is not holding them back yeah i know that's the thing it's like i don't want anyone to ever feel like they can't like they're not worthy of taking up space in a room or they're not worthy of being you know seen and heard and like I don't know I just think of like I wonder how many people had something really brilliant to say and then never said it because they were too self-conscious and that makes me want to scream like I'm like all of the brilliant voices that were too frightened to speak because they were too scared to be seen and that's harrowing like a hundred percent and just you know you can't even at a base level, like, if you're dieting, you're not allowing yourself your full cognitive capacity, right? Like, if you're undernourished, you're not allowing yourself, like, your full cognitive capacity to focus and be engaged because you're, you know, you're hungry. It's hard to do things when you're hungry. It's hard to do things when you're hungry and also, like, I don't know, you're not giving yourself the fuel. Like, you're not giving yourself that literal fuel. No, I mean... I, I, I've spoken about, I don't know if I've spoken about this before because we recorded this, we recorded an episode similar to this obviously when we first started but didn't end up putting it out because we, we were like, it's too vulnerable but now it doesn't, now it feels better but like, I, you know, you know I was on keto for like two years, three years which was actually a real turning point for me in terms of realising that um, that was the first time that I had lost probably most of the weight that I thought I wanted to lose you know, in the terms of you saying like when I get a boyfriend, things will be better. Blah, blah, blah. Mine was, when I lose weight, everything will be better. All my life will be fixed. All my problems will be fixed. And I lost the weight. And obviously they weren't. All of the problems were still there, if not worse. But I was just, you know, a couple of dress sizes smaller. And people who'd never given me attention before were giving me attention. And that just made me fucking angry. But it was, uh, it's so interesting. It's coming out of that. I just remember being like, I'm scared to eat a bowl of pasta. And I'm 20 years old. And I don't know... I don't know how to eat intuitively. I'm so disconnected from my body and I've never, you know, that feeling of just like, where do we begin here? Like, where do we even start trying to fix this? And I think, I don't know. I just, I, I want people to know that it is it, it doesn't feel easy because it's not easy. It is the biggest commitment to yourself that you will ever make in your life. And it's also probably the best thing you will ever do is figure your relationship with your body out. And you owe that to yourself. Yeah, you do owe it to yourself and and it is also a constant journey and practice. Like I think, you know, we're both in, in a good relationship with our bodies now, but like I still can have a bad day and you still then need to be like, Okay, well this is how you you pull things back and you keep on track and, and going back to that idea of like self preservation and um you don't like you don't need to be in crisis mode before you start making any kind of positive action, right? So you need to you need to keep that momentum going so you're um you're doing okay. Well, I guess it's identifying, it's identifying the, um, almost like, identifying the feeling of right before there could be a crisis. It's almost like when dogs run up a hill before, because they can sense a storm coming. It's like, you want to get to the point where you are like, let's just trust that dog and run up the hill and fix the problem. Let's not ignore, like, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Well, you want to be you want to be at a point where you can weather any 
any storm. Weather, yeah, I love we've the metaphors gotten confused, but it's like, yeah, exactly. It's a combination of weathering the storm, but also trusting yourself when you're like, oh, there's a storm coming. There is a storm coming, and I can either let this, you know, I can stay in the place that's dangerous, and like I have done before, or I can follow the dog and go uphill. I don't know if that's going to make sense to anyone but us. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we're both like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, God, my brain is jelly at the moment. Um, I love you so much. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. This has been lovely. <laughs> I love you too. Why don't yeah, why don't we wrap this up? Um we can't wait for you to listen to the conversations we've got lined up for you in series two, where people are sharing their are sharing their journeys with their bodies and what's helped them to turn things around as well. Yeah, I think they're going to be some really... I think it's useful... We talk about our toolkits, but I think it's useful hearing other people's. And I think it's also... It's just nice knowing you're not alone. Even if you don't entirely relate to our stories, you know that probably in between my story and Nadia's story and all of the stories we've covered, there is, you know, there is a story within that spectrum that is yours. And that's absolutely, you know, your journey is valid. And it's fucking hard. Like it's ongoing and it's difficult and that's life. And But we're going to get through it together, guys. We're going to get through it together. And I just love how you say that you owe it to yourself. And like, I am so grateful that you owe it to yourself. I owe it to myself that we all start thinking about it in that way rather than it being, it just feels like I'm not, I'm happy that people around me are want to feel that they owe it to themselves to improve their relationship with their body. Thank you so much for listening to The Body Protest. We would love it if you rate, subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. Rumour has it, it helps other people find our podcast. Honey, where can we find you on social? I'm on Instagram at honeykinney and also you should follow The Pink Protest at Pink Protest. But Nadia, where can we find you? I'm at nadia.quadic on Instagram. This podcast was brought to you by The Pink Protest. <laughs>